0: Well, how many of you were praying for your pastor this week and expecting that the Lord has something to minister through him to you? You know, your prayers make all the difference. And what you come to church expecting, you know, do you expect the Lord to speak through him, speak to you, speak to your situation? It makes all the difference. So put your turn your faith on to receive exactly what you need to hear and then be willing and ready to do it
1: the Lord, He can speak through anybody, right? And I know that He has a keen interest in speaking to you because you're precious to Him. And so I always rely very strongly on that for Lord, you, you show me what to teach, how to teach it, because You're more interested in feeding them and getting truth to them than I am. I mean, I want that for You too, but you know, I know that the Lord is more interested and invested in that than I am. And so I put my faith and confidence in him that he'll speak to me or through me in that way to you. You know, Jesus was was probably the most anointed teacher. I think we'd probably all agree that he was he was the most anointed of teachers. Yet people sat in his ministry and walked away and went, "That guys, crazy. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's twisting that he's he's that and. So it wasn't how anointed or unanointed Jesus was. It had to do with their hearing and in their ears and what was going on in their heart. And so what what Jen said to you about, you know, praying and expecting, look to the Lord to be your teacher. And in spite of all of my humanity, all of, of my shortcomings, that you can still learn something from it. You know, that's the thing about about teachers and pastors is we're specially anointed to teach. And to explain things, but we're not especially any more anointed than you are to live it, right? And so we need to do the same thing that you have to do is apply it and live it in our life and, and walk it out that way. So together we are going step by step, step by step, higher and higher, further and further from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And if we'll just put our confidence to the Lord, we're going to continue to see an increase of that in in each other's lives. Amen? Amen. All right, there was your pre-mini-sermon. How are you guys doing? Ready to look to the Lord as teacher, as instructor, and allow Him to illuminate things for you? I want to, tonight is going to be a bit of encouragement, um, a bit of exhortation. Maybe for some it will be correction, I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is that the subject that I want to bring to you tonight, I've brought before. But I also know that it's one of the more important subjects that we talk about here. Because everything else is based out of this subject tonight. And if we get this wrong tonight, everything else that we do starts out wrong. And when you start out wrong, it's hard to end up right unless you bring major correction, right? Somewhere you have to figure out where did we go wrong. I remember it was back in about 2010, I believe it was. We were living in Colorado. It was before we moved here. And and our two boys, wave at everybody, they're outside playing, right? And they come running into the house. Now, they're like, I don't know, five and and three, I think, at the time, something like that. And it was was hot. It was like in the spring, and it was warm, and they're outside playing, and it was the first day that they begin to sweat. Now, earlier, it was either that week or the previous week, we'd been eating ice cream. And the ice cream had, was melting and running and dripping. And, and so they're outside playing and they're sweating. And they begin to have sweat trickling down their faces and heads. And suddenly the door bursts open. They come running into the house. And they're like, Daddy, Daddy, we're melting. <laughs> because they thought ice cream melts. We're dripping. We must be melting. And of course, I laughed and I said, no, you're not. And I explained, I gave them some truth. Because see, when you have the the wrong information, it's hard to make the right decision. To make a wise decision. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about loving truth. Do you love truth more than you love your version of it? Because all of us have a version of it. Me, you, all of us. We all see things from our perspective, from our collective of experiences, and we look at the Word and we do our best job at understanding here's what the Word is saying and we rely on the Lord to show us things. But you know, the Lord is limited by you and I. Much of the time we limit what He's able to reveal to us because we already have it set in our mind that it's a certain way. And when we've already decided that it's this way... The Lord, the gentleman that He is, will usually just allow you to go ahead and think that. Unless you're willing to examine that way. Say, Lord, you know, if I'm stuck in something, I pray this a lot. Lord, if I, if I'm believing wrongly about something, please show me, because I don't want to be stuck in that. I don't want to be stuck in my biases. I want to be stuck in your bias. Right, And I believe that's all of our hearts here tonight. I believe that's where we all want to go. Yet there are times that we miss it. I mean, I could tell you stories of times you've missed it and stories of times I've missed it. Right? Because we thought that, man, we really had it right. And later we were like, man, yeah, that wasn't quite right, was it? And so part of that is going to be you and I being humble and saying, Lord, teach me. Be willing to hear another's viewpoint on something, another's understanding of an issue... And um, allow the Lord to speak and minister truth to you. And when it comes to understanding word, I'll just say this before we go any further: you can you can turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter three. That way, you're ready to go when I am. You know, proper hermeneutics, and you say, "Well, what's hermeneutics?" It's how you rightly divide the Word of God, how you properly understand Scripture the right way to understand any particular verse or doctrine or subject is by examining that Scripture through the light of other Scripture. And this is how that we m- keep ourselves correct. We allow the Lord to speak to us because what He has given us, the word of truth, is accurate. Sure, I'm not talking about the, the all the different English translations. There's mistakes in translation. There's not any mistakes in God's intention. And what God said, all right? And so sometimes they come out with translations that are better. Sometimes they come out with ones that are like not so good. So you have to watch that. But I'm talking about examining one scripture through the light of other scriptures. Because maybe when you add more to the puzzle, it doesn't always turn out quite the way you originally understood that particular scripture, And so we have to do this when it comes to, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to tongues or praying in tongues and all these different things that we do when it comes to believing in healing, when it comes to all the things that often set us apart from mainstream Christianity today in the United States. We have to look at these things and say, well, is what I'm believing actually accurate? Is it correct? Or is it just a version of what's right? You know, when you put on colored sunglasses, everything looks that color. You can put on pink sunglasses and everything has a pink hue. Even the green colors, even the blue colors they have this pink hue to them. And so you're seeing things from your perspective. And what we want to do is rightly divide the word of God. When you come to a verse that you don't understand, read the verse in front of it. Read the verse that comes after it. A lot of times that will clear up confusion right there. And if that still didn't do it, back up a few more verses. Read the whole chapter. Read it in context. Read the whole book. Right? understand what he's saying rather than just pulling a verse out by itself and then twisting it into some sort of doctrine that is just problems. And so in 2 Timothy, let's look here in in chapter 3 of verse 1. But know this. Difficult times, or that that word difficult means fierce, perilous, violent, dangerous, harsh. Like, ooh, glory. So difficult times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. Putting themselves above others. If it serves me, then I'm willing to take from you. Willing to rat you out. Willing to... I mean you look back um, back into the Soviet era and into the, the World War II back during the Nazi regime you see this happening like and all there's all these stories in history of people that would would rat out their neighbors that they're Jews or or all these crazy things in order to bring benefit to themselves right and so if you just look in 2020 well we saw that kind of stuff going on as well too it was astounding yet yeah. We shouldn't be surprised at it. It says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. So that means serving self, serving money. See, that one there comes, comes really close home to us as believers. Do you make your decisions based on money or do you make them based on, here's what the Lord's showing me or telling me? Are your decisions based on where the best deal is? I know, it's like we can have a healing line for stepped on toes afterwards. But this this steps on toes because, you know, if you make your decisions based on what the cheapest thing is on the menu, th- there is wisdom in being wise in how you spend your money. That's not what I'm saying. But if your deciding factor is price, you are serving price rather than something else. So examine that. Let's love truth. Let's begin to take a fresh perspective and say, Lord, what should I order from the menu? He might tell you to order that thing you don't normally order because the other stuff will make you sick. Right? So be sensitive and follow the Lord. Sometimes you'll be surprised because the Lord will just tell you, well, what would you like? Well, I'd like this cheap item over here. Okay, get that. It's not so difficult to hear from the Lord as we a lot of times make it out to be. All right, so... Uh, Lovers of self, lovers of money, they're boastful, they're proud, they're blasphemers, they're disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, or they won't forgive, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, in other words, they go back on their word, They're reckless, they're conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the form of religion but denying its power, avoid these people. This sounds, uh, this just, I mean, like, seems like Paul saw our day and just took notes, right? (laughs) Now let's make sure this isn't us. And if you do find yourself in these verses, then thank God for the blood of Jesus. Immediately change, repent, have a change of heart that leads to a change of mind, that leads to a change of action. And in God's great mercy, He loves to give you another opportunity. Alright, let's read the next verse. For among them are those who worm their way into households and capture idle women burdened down with sins, led along by a variety of passions. And verse 7 is where I wanted to get to. It always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, always searching, but never finding. Always learning and wanting to know more and more and more, but never really arriving at any truth or any revelation. And so we want to love truth, not just love the search for truth. And if we love truth, that means that we're willing to change anything in our lives to conform to what is true rather than what we thought about it or what we were raised to believe or what my pastor said or or what anybody else said. Listen, anything that I teach you, it needs to be backed up out of Scripture with proper hermeneutics. And you take what I say to you and you apply it here and you study it out and you make sure that it's right. Okay, don't just rely on me because, well, yeah, he's the pastor, he would never lead me astray. Well, yes, I believe God, I would not. However, you are responsible for you. And you have to make sure that what you're hearing and what's coming into your ears is lining up with what's in here. I'm reminded of of the story of this guy that had too much to drink and, um he was looking for his wallet he was a police officer walking down the sidewalk and he notices up ahead that this guy this drunk guy I think he's drunk is on his hands and knees and he's like looking for something underneath the street light and of course the police officer is wondering well what's he what's going on is he okay and so he walks up and uh, says you know sir are you are you okay and the guy says yeah yeah i'm okay i'm just looking for my wallet And so the police officer, like any good officer, he immediately begins to help him look for his wallet. And actually, you and I could take a lesson from that, is how many times does people tell us about a problem they're having, and we want to give them advice but not actually roll up our sleeves and be the help that they need, right? So let's take an example from this police officer. So so he begins to look, and, man, they scour the sidewalk and look out into the street and back and forth, back and forth, and like there's nothing here. Finally, the police officer, after several minutes, says, well, sir, are you sure you lost it? He said, yeah, I did. I I lost it. I dropped it. I was holding it in my hand, and I happened to drop it. And he said, well, where exactly were you when you dropped it? Because I'm not seeing it. And he points up the street to a dark alley, and he said, I was walking down that dark alley. And perplexed, the police officer looks at him and says, well, why aren't we up there looking in the alley instead of here? And he says, well, the light here is so much better. See, you can search and search and search. And if you're looking in the wrong place with the wrong bias, you're never going to find what you're looking for. He had just because there is light there. I mean, light is good, understand. But in this illustration, he's just looking where it's easy to look. He's not looking where he actually is going to find. And so we don't want to be that way. We want to search And find, like Jesus said, knock and it will be open to you. Search, seek, and ye will find. But there are qualifiers to it, and you have to be willing to change your beliefs, what you believe that the Word is saying, for the Lord to be able to reveal things to you. Many people think that they're interested in truth, yet in reality they are more interested in confirming what they believe is true. They're not as interested in pure truth as they are in that I, I'm believing the, I'm right. The way I was believing was right. It's, it's true. And so people will go to the Word and they are going with this bias to prove their point right rather than to discover truth. And in in Job, you remember how all these horrible things happened to Job and he has incredible um, loss all around him. And now he's sick and, and he's having this long argument with his friends that had come and were sitting with him. And at one point, Job, he quotes a verse that often gets gets quoted today, but we don't really realize what Job actually said. He, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Well, that starts out good to have that kind of trust in God that even if he kills me, I still trust him. But the thing that he said next is where he gets into trouble. Because later, Job did have to repent for what he said, All right, If you read the end of the book, you'll see that. He says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But, I will maintain my own ways before him. Even if he kills me, I'm still going to declare I'm right. That's what he's saying. Stuck in his version of truth rather than in what the Lord is saying is true. Now, Thank God he changed, experienced tremendous blessing and comfort because he changed and was willing to see it. And I mean, at one point he finally goes, you know what, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth because he was saying things he shouldn't. And he said, I'm not going to say any more. He didn't. He let the Lord speak. And um, so let's not be interested in maintaining or defending our ways. than more than we are about what is true and what is right. I've had I've had a lot of fun recently in studying end times, and I quickly discovered that people are more interested in proving their viewpoint of end times right than they are in what the Word actually says. And um, you say, well, well, what about that? Well, we're not going to go into end times tonight, but maybe another time. My point is don't be stuck in an idea because you've always believed it, or because someone that you trust believes it. The truth of God's Word will hold up under a microscope, and don't be afraid to examine it. I remember um, back when my wife and I, we were Mennonite at the time, and, and we began to see some things in the Word that really shook our foundations. Because, you know, when the foundations get shaken, it's, it can be scary and a little frightening. And so our foundations got really shaken in what we were believing. And, well, what is truth? And we set out on this quest to discover what is truth. What is truth for us? Show us, Lord, what is truth. And we discovered many things. Some things we weren't ready to discover yet. I remember on one particular issue, I asked the Lord to show me on it. And he said, you're not ready to hear it. I didn't ask any further. I said, okay, Lord, I, I believe what you said. I'm not ready to hear it. And um, I had an idea of what he was going to say. I was afraid of what he was going to say. And so I was just like, yep, that's right. I'm not ready for it. And um, as it turned out later, when I went back about six months later and asked again, he did show me truth. This, and, and I was ready for it. And it wasn't what I was afraid he was going to say. But sometimes he knows it, it was actually the complete opposite direction of what I was afraid he was going to say. But let's study the Word in order to find the truth rather than studying the Word in order to support your belief or narrative. There was a guy named Abraham um, Walt, I think. Abraham Walt. And he was a Jew. He was um, born over in Hungary, what's now Hungary. And um, during the whole Nazi, everything, World War II, he ended up coming to the United States and signing on with a a think tank, but they were like a mathematician group here in the United States, and they would do all these calculations for our Navy pilots. And they had all these Navy planes coming back that were being just completely riddled with bullets, completely, I mean, like, well, no, I shouldn't say completely. Let me rephrase it. The wings were just shot full of holes, and the midsection of the plane was shot full of holes, and the, the uh, tail, whatever you call that. It's not the rudder, it's the <laughs> fins. Yeah, no, not quite. But anyhow, the tail, that goes out this way, right? Those are shot full of holes. And so the Navy is looking at these planes coming back riddled full of holes, and all. but it's always in these same spots. And so they decided what we need to do is we need to add armor to these planes in these places where they're riddled full of bullet holes. And... Well, understand, armor makes a plane heavy. And heavy doesn't fly near as well. It's not as agile in the air. It doesn't fly as far because it takes more fuel and on and on and on. So it's this fine line between we want to have armor on the plane, but we also want it to be as light as possible. And so they decide, okay, we're going to put um, more armor on the wings and on the center fuselage of the plane where they're getting shot full of holes to protect the plane. Well... Their, act, their rate of plane loss actually increased rather than went got better. And they're like, what's going on? And then this guy, Abram Waltz, shows up and he goes, well, you guys are all looking at the wrong thing. Look at where the bullets are not on these planes. They're not over the engines. There's no bullet holes on the engines. There's no bullet holes in the front part of the plane. And so that's what we need to put armor on. And they said, well, why would we want to put armor where there's no bullet holes? He said, because those they're coming back full of holes, but those planes can fly full of holes, right? Yep. The ones that are not coming back are the ones that are getting hit in that place. So you're not even adding them into your math equations of, you know, they take a bullet in the engine, boom, plane crashes, never comes back. So the only pool of, of, of data that they have are the survivable hits. And so they actually had to think in reverse and say, okay, let's put armor where there are no bullet holes on the plane. Because see you have to you have to come to the realization that, okay, so either the Germans are are really good at hitting just these spots of the planes, or there's something else going on. So they put armor over the over the front part of the plane, in other words, where the where the pilot sits, and they put armor over the engines. And they dramatically increase the or decrease the loss of their airplanes. Because, see, someone was outside of the box. But, see, he was seeing truth rather than the wrong viewpoint of the same object. See, your viewpoint can so greatly influence what you're seeing. I'll look for something here that I can use as an illustration. All right. I'm going to ask my wife and Debbie to help me with this. So I'm holding holding a Bible. And what color do you say this Bible is, Debbie? She says it's brown. Okay. Jen, what color do you say this Bible is? White White and black. All right, they're looking at the same exact object, aren't they? It's the same Bible. I didn't switch Bibles out. But she says it's brown. She says it's black and white. So what's going on? It's all about their perspective where they're seeing the same object from. Right? You can climb the same mountain, but from two different sides of it. So now if I flip the Bible this way, what happens? They go, ah. You know, we we could have got into this huge argument. Jen's like, it's black and white. And Debbie goes, no way, it's brown. I saw it. It's right there, six feet from my face. As brown as it can be. And Jen goes, no way. It's ten feet from my face. It's black and white with words on it. And they get into this whole argument and finally go their separate ways and refuse to talk to each other anymore because they're wrong. Because their way of looking at things is wrong and both of them were actually right, partially. Because... Their viewpoint was it's what they were seeing. Now I tell you all of that to simply tell you this: the things you've experienced in life, the successes, the failures, the, the hurts, the joys, all these things begin to shape the, the sunglasses that you're putting on and give them a certain hint tint of color. And when you begin to look at life through your collection of experiences, you can begin to believe things that are not true because, well, this is what I experienced. And so because we experience different things, Debbie experienced that that was a brown book. Jen experienced it was a black and white book. So if they're going to make a decision based on their experiences, they're both going to come away with completely opposite ideas of what happened or what it is of what is true, right? So what we have to do is we have to recognize that there is a higher level of truth than my experiences. That there is a higher plane of what is true rather than the collection of things that I've experienced and seen happen or not happen in life. You know, the prayers I didn't see answered. Well, the, the, the promise to provide for us, to meet all of our needs. Uh, isn't a true promise because, well, I... Lost so-and-so because I couldn't pay for it. Well, maybe there's other things at play, right? Don't be so quick to determine what's true based on what you did or didn't experience. Let's make our barometer of truth, our standard of truth be the Word. And when you have a question, go back to the Word and say, this is the one phrase that we should, just, should be on everyone's tongue all the time. Is Well, where's the Scripture for that? Where's the Scripture for that? If you say you believe something, okay, fine. Where's the Scripture for it? Well, I believe so and so and so. You know, I believe that Ford's better. I believe Chevy's better. Well, where's your Scripture for that? Well, there is none. All right, so don't waste time on it. That'll help somebody, I don't know. If I was standing in Missouri where I grew up, man, that'd help just the whole congregation right there. So go to the Word to form your beliefs rather than to back up what you believe. And then be willing to change your beliefs. Even if your experience didn't line up with what the Word is saying, say, okay, well, this is true. Obviously, there's things I'm not understanding on my end and why it went, how it went. But this is true, and I trust Him. All right, let's um, go over to Proverbs chapter 23. You know, it's time that we begin to treat the Bible as though it were true, where he says all all things that pertain to life and godliness are given to us. That's everything. Everything that pertains to life and to godliness is given to us, is what Peter said, and it's in here. Here's where we find it. And between the word of God and the Holy Spirit, there's all the truth that you need to be able to live life in godliness is going to be given, and shown to you. Psalms 119, 130, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read some Scripture to you. It says, the entrance of your Word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The word simple really means open-minded. It gives understanding to the open-minded. It doesn't give understanding to the closed-minded. Have you ever tried... You've had a discussion, a debate, an argument with somebody and you were right and they were like blind. They just couldn't see it. (laughs) Right? If they're closed-minded about it and aren't willing to examine is it true or is it not true? So you've got to be open-minded. You can be open-minded to the wrong thing. All right? There's a lot of emphasis in the humanistic teachings of being open-minded. And being open-minded to truth is great. Being willing to examine what I believe about something is great. But just being open to anything is not great. Because the devil comes right along and wants to feed you lies. And you don't want to listen to those. In 1 Samuel 2.30, this is where he was talking about the prophet... Well, he was talking about these evil sons of Eli. And how they weren't honoring the Lord. And and, and the Lord made the statement. He said, I will give honor to those who honor me. And I will despise those who disdain me. And one of the ways that we honor God, one of the greatest ways we honor Him is by treating His Word, what He said, with the utmost respect. In the fear, in the reverence of the Lord. His Word being, being what you respect above all. The BBE translation says it this way, I will give honor to those by whom I am honored, and those who have no respect for me will be very be of very small value in my eyes. Listen to Isaiah 66, verse 2. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble. So if you want the Lord to look favorably on you, be humble. And the first step to to examining your beliefs about something is being humble. Maybe I'm not right. Maybe I missed something. Maybe there's a verse I don't know anything about. Right? And so you just stay humble. Then he goes on, he says, submissive in spirit. And, listen to this, this is the kind of person that the Lord declared He would look favorably upon. And the one who trembles at My words trembles at my word that means the very word of God when he speaks to you on the inside or when you read something here that you will move heaven and earth to walk it out that obedience is more important than sacrifice that obedience is where you're going to set yourself period so another in psalm 119 again it says princes persecute me without a cause But my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Rejoice at your word. Excited about it. Yes, the Lord is speaking. All right. Did you find Proverbs 23? I'm going to read it in the NIV. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. So buy all of these things, but the emphasis is on truth. Buy the truth, meaning it's going to cost you something. Then say, go get the truth for free. Now, we know that salvation is a free gift, but it will cost you something. It will cost you your life. You have to give up your way, your will, your desires. Give yourself to the Lord. Right, It costs you everything, but it's free. Well, in this case, he says, buy the truth and don't sell it. Look for ways to accumulate truth. Look for ways to store up truth. It says in Proverbs 3, to store it up. Look for ways to get it and then don't get rid of it. Don't sell it. Truth is not for sale. I am established in truth. The BBE says, get for yourself that which is true and do not let it go for money. Get what's true and don't let it go for money. You know, compromised truth isn't the truth at all. I'm not talking about telling the truth versus telling a lie. I'm talking about truth that isn't based on what's actually true. Maybe it's based on experiences. Maybe it's based on what I saw. I saw this side of the book and it was brown. Well, I saw this one and it was black and white. And so we're going to, we want to be rooted in truth, not a version of the truth. I mentioned that truth will cost you. Let me ask it a different way to you. What truth would you be willing to die for? Like, I am unshakable, unmovable on this thing. And if you put a gun to my head, I will not change my mind on this. I am set in stone on this. What truth are you anchored into and willing to sacrifice everything for? We need to look at these things because the time that we live in, no, people aren't going around doing that here, but they are places overseas. And not only that, if you read in Revelations, the days coming where things like that are going to be happening everywhere, it looks like. And so we need to answer these questions that what, what am I willing to be burnt at the stake for? Like a lot of people have been in the past. What am I willing to lay down my life for? You know, there was, there's a story of, um, over in Africa, there was this youth gathering and church gathering and some horrible people came in. Boko Haram, I believe it was, and um, gathered these youth up and decided that they wanted them to renounce Jesus. So they, so they gathered them up and they got one guy, a 15-year-old, and decided to make him an example. And they told him that if he did not uh, recant and renounce Jesus as his Lord, they're going to cut his arm off. And so, of course, he wouldn't do it, so they cut his arm off. And then they gave him the opportunity again, and of course he wouldn't do it, so they cut his other arm off. And they butchered him up into tiny little pieces. I mean, he died. He's with Jesus, right? And um, he is experiencing things that we're looking forward to. But it's not over. He's going to be resurrected. That whole body they chopped up into pieces is going i all be back in one beautiful piece. And he is going to have a crown of righteousness on his head because he gave his life for the gospel. There's a better resurrection in that. I guess their bodies are more souped up than those who didn't die that way. I don't know, right? But it says better resurrection. Maybe they come out of the ground faster. I don't know. But better resurrection, right? And so, so this guy here, he knew where what he was willing to die for and give his life for. But what about you and I? Do we know what's so true to us that I would never back down on this? And we can look at things like, oh, well, yeah, yeah sure, that Jesus is my Lord. okay. But what if they now hold the gun to your child's head? You recant or boom. Cross these things in your mind already and say, you know what? There is nothing that would ever make me recant what Jesus has done for me. There is nothing. And we have to, you know, in those moments, if you would ever find yourself in a place like that, obviously believe for deliverance believe for rescue, believe for angelic help to, boom, show up. I mean, that was an angel that showed up and, man, just smote 200,000 army because someone prayed to the Lord. The king did. And, man, Hezekiah, they looked out the next morning and 200,000 soldiers are laying dead out there. So their king, who's still living, packed bags and went home. But that's what I'm saying is don't disengage or unhook when we something terrible like that, if you would ever face something like that, but rather look for deliverance like Peter, he was at peace, stayed at peace. He's sleeping in his jail cell the night before they're going to execute him and an angel comes and rescues him. Hey, if, if an angel will do that for him, then he'll do it for you. On the other hand, Hebrews says that some of these people, they didn't want to accept release. They chose not to. Because they chose a better resurrection. On the other hand, maybe you're going, Hey, yay, I get to see Jesus today. Okay, then go see Jesus today. Because that is better. Doesn't Scripture say that? To die is gain, to live is Christ. Paul said it's better for me to live and serve you all. But man, it would be better for me if I just went home now. Hallelujah. Thank God for heaven. You know, an example of compromised truth would be Jesus without the resurrection. Oh yeah, Jesus died and and was crucified and went to go be with God and and um, no you know the resurrection makes all the difference makes all the difference. It's the down payment. It's the guarantee that you and I are going to be resurrected too. He's the first fruit of the many. Right. He's the first of many that are going to live this way. And and he still had his body when he was resurrected. He'd still eat. He'd go through walls. Showed up, talked to the disciples right in the middle of their conversations. Door was locked, so his body could do things that you and I's body are going to be able to do sometime, or, or well, at the resurrection we're going to receive those bodies back. But to say that, to say a truth, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the virgin birth, would be another example of of truth. It's not true. It's compromised. Let's go to Matthew thirteen. We're talking about loving truth, being completely sold out for truth, being willing to die for truth, it being the most valuable thing to you. Verse 44 in chapter 13 of Matthew, it says, the kingdom of heaven, and don't think often in heaven, the kingdom of heaven is here on the earth, it's within you and I. Together we make up the kingdom. And so he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found Oh, and reburied. So, man, this took effort. He found it. I don't know why he found it or what he was doing, but he found it. Now he hides it. He reburies it. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. And he sold everything. Then he says again, Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven, verse 45, is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. If we'll have this attitude that I'm willing to forsake everything for the sake of truth, buy truth and do not sell it is another way of saying this. Go over to 2 Thessalonians and let's look at some consequences of rejecting truth. So in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, I'm going to read in about halfway through verse 10 is where I'll begin to read. It says, they perish, talking about people that were based after the lawless one. They perish because they did not accept the love of the truth in order to be saved. So you have to love the truth. You're not going to accept it if you don't love it. Determine in your heart right now that I love truth more than I do my own life. It says, for this reason God sent them a strong delusion because they didn't love the truth. God sends them a strong delusion so that they will believe what is false. So that all will be condemned. Those who did not believe the truth but enjoyed unrighteousness. So the consequences of not loving truth is ultimately destruction. Not loving the truth is being given over to believe lies, believe what's not true. And when you believe a lie, you think you're completely right. Recently, we had that whole series about being a doer of the word, right? And you're self-deceived when you know about word, but you're not actually doing it and living it. And so we don't want to be self-deceived or begin given over to believe a lie. The, uh, listen to this script. Well, in Second Timothy 4, it says this. It says they will turn away. It it's talking about people that had the itching in their ears to always hear more and to always learn. It says they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Wives' fables, I think, is what the King James calls it. They're going to turn aside to conspiracy theories. Turn aside to lies. Things that aren't true. But you know, the light is better over here. It's easier to look here. I feel like I'm finding more here. And so they turn aside to that which is easier rather than sometimes it's the hard truth. Right? However, the good news is That if you live by the truth, what will it do for you? It'll set you free. You will know it if you dwell in, if you, Jesus said if you continue in my word, the word is the truth. Jesus is the word. If you continue in my word, then you will know the word and the truth, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But it doesn't mean that it's always easy in the beginning. But thank God His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Remember that scripture in Hosea 6.4 where it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But the next line explains that it wasn't that they didn't have opportunity of knowledge. It says they rejected the knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge, it says. They rejected it. They had opportunity for it. They rejected it. So the consequences of rejecting truth is often destruction. Destruction. Let's go back over to Matthew where we were in Matthew 13. And let's look here at the parable of the sower. And what are we talking about? We're still talking about loving truth. Loving truth more than we like our version of it. Being willing to be wrong. And then quickly change over to be right again. See, if I'm wrong about something, I want to know it so that I can as quick as possible be right again. Because I don't like being wrong. Most people don't. I mean, if you find someone that likes to be wrong, there's probably something broken in them that needs some healing. Right? Nobody wants to be wrong. Matthew 13. However, don't allow your desire to be proved right. Be stronger than your desire to be right. There is a difference. Did you hear what I said? Don't allow your desire to be proved right. See, I'm right. That desire to be stronger than I want to be right. Regardless, where the chips fall? In Luke chapter 13, let's begin in verse 3. Jesus is speaking. He says, Then He told them many things in parables, saying... Consider the sower who went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky ground where there wasn't much soil, and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on the good ground and produced a crop, some 100, some 16, some 30 times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen. So do you have ears? Yep, we all have ears. All of us. So we can all listen. Let's jump down to verse 18. He explains this parable. The disciples came to him and said, could you help us understand this? So he says, you then listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, the truth, about the kingdom... And doesn't understand it. Now, this is key. They don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one that was sown along the path. You know, the one that the birds came and ate. Soon as the truth gets sown... They don't understand it, boom, the enemy jumps right in to snatch it away so that they won't believe it. In fact, if you read the account in Luke where he says the same story, he says it this way. He said, the seed along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. And here's why. So that they may not believe and be saved. All right. So understand that the enemy is invested in you not believing the truth. Verse 20, and the one one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is good, isn't it? Isn't this how we should receive truth? Immediately receive it and with joy. However, there is a problem. It says, yet he has no root in himself, but is short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles So so they believe in, in, again, in Luke's account, he says it this way, having no root, these believe for a while and depart in a time of testing. So they did believe. They had faith. They were in joy at discovering this truth. And they got a hold of it. And yet when the pressure came, when the testing came, when the trials came, in particular because of the Word is what Matthew said. Pressure or persecution comes because of the Word. Well, the devil will bring that to you to try to discredit the Word to you. Word that you've latched onto and said, I believe this. And he immediately comes to try to destroy your confidence in that. And when the pressure gets applied, if you'll yield, then you wind up withered, having no root. Well, if we are the branches, He is the vine, the root, is all the way down to the Father, right? Well, what happens if we have no root? You wither, you die. You do not survive. Let's go on to the next one. Again, keep all of this in mind of loving truth, loving the Word. Alright, verse 22. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the Word, Good job. But the worries of this age and the seductions of wealth choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Again, reading to you out of Luke, it says, As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. Notice these don't die. They just don't have any fruit. They're just weak, anemic plant. That grew, is still there, but it's not bearing any fruit. It's too weak. Because of the pleasures of life and worries and the love of money and all of that. Let's read the next one, verse 23. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word who does bear fruit and yield some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Again, out of the Luke's account, he says it this way, the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, loving truth more than loving their own things. Honest and good heart. These are the ones who heard. Do you have ears to hear? Yes. And they had an honest good heart. It says... And hold on to it. And by enduring, bear fruit. So they receive it. They have ears. They they receive it. And now they they had a a love of truth in them. But now they hold on to it. Hold on to the truth. Do not sell it. Hold on to truth. Don't put it up on the scale with anything else. And if something else more valuable comes along, you'll trade it out. It says, these bear fruit. These are the ones that went on to do the amazing 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Later in in Luke, in the same passage, Jesus makes this statement. He says, therefore, take care how you listen. Again, are you listening for truth to prove you're right? Are you listening for truth to align more closely with the Father? He says, take care how you listen, for whoever has more will be given to him. But whoever does not have even what he thinks he has, thinks he has, will be taken away from him. Worship team, you can come. Go with me over to 1 John. We're going to close with two more scriptures, I think. 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 3 to you. Truth that sets you free is truth that you live in, that you dwell in, that you love. Chapter 2, verse 3 says, this is how we are sure that we have come to know him. This is how we are sure. This is how we are certain. This is how we are completely confident, we might say, that we know the Father. By keeping his commands. This is how we know it, by keeping his commands, by obeying, by doing what he says, being a doer of the word, a lover of truth. Verse 4, the one who says, I have come to know him without keeping his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now listen, if you find yourself in those shoes, not doing what you know, just immediately repent. It's not difficult. God is so faithful. He's full of mercy. Last week we talked about His great mercy. If He'll have mercy on Ahab, He'll have mercy on you. And so if you find yourself doing that, we're like, I'm not doing what He says. Just run back to the Father where you will find mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. And He goes on and He says... whoever keeps His Word, whoever keeps His Word, whoever does His Word, whoever guards His Word, whoever values His Word, you might say, truly in Him, the love of God is perfected or is completed. The love of God is completed. This is how we know we are in Him. The one who says he remains in him should, again, actions, walk just as he walked. Be like him. Behave like him. Now you can go over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says in the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God. There's nothing like it on the planet. Nothing that compares with it. The peace of God. You can be in the middle of a a storm and your ship sinking and you could be so at peace that you'd be asleep. Jesus did it. The peace of God, which surpasses every thought. So that's a natural thought, right? So it, the peace of God surpasses all of that. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's in the truth. Will guard your heart and mind in the truth. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any moral excellence, if there's any praise, dwell on these things, on these things. To dwell on them means that you're going to spend some time thinking about it. You love truth so much that you're not filling your mind full of the lies of the media or full of You know, all the conspiracy theories. I mean, the unfortunate thing with so many conspiracy theories today is that they're true. (laughs) We're finding the things that were conspiracy theories a year ago now come out to be true, right? But uh, all that aside, don't focus on those things. Dwell on the things in this list. Dwell on the things of God. Set your mind on things above is what Scripture tells us. Not on things on the earth. Set your mind upon the good report. Upon what he says about me. Set my mind upon the truth. Let's say that. I set my mind upon what is true. Now, understand something. Just because it's true doesn't mean you should go around telling it. That's called a talebearer. A talebearer. A talebearer is not someone who's saying lies, they're actually saying truth. But it's not building anybody up. Love covers what? A multitude of sins. Love is looking to benefit someone, not hurt them. Right? So just because it's factual, let's say it that way. Just because it's factual doesn't mean you should say it. But truth with a capital T always needs said. The truth, Jesus. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, true, moral excellence. If there's any praise in it, dwell, think on these things. All right, you can stand with me, and we're going to close in prayer, close the sermon in prayer. And after. Where in the songs would you like? After the second one? Okay. So we're going to bring the uh, communion table over here and put it in the middle. And um, we'll cue you up at the right time. But after the second song, we'll have you guys file in. Maybe maybe start in the back row and just come up and file past the table and go back up the outsides of your rows back to your seat and uh, collect the, the bread and the cup and then just hold it and once everyone is filed through we'll go through it uh, together. And this way in the second song that'll give us an opportunity for the children to come back and join us by the time we, we take the Lord's Supper together and celebrate the truth together. Father, I thank you for truth. Thank you, Lord, for giving us truth, for being our teacher, Thank you, Father. I ask you, Lord, to instill in us, impart in us, a greater love of truth than we've had before. Father, that we be completely sold out to what is true, what's pure, what's honest, what's just, what's honorable, what has moral excellence in it. Father, all these things we want to walk in this way and and be walking in a fully pleasing way to you. perfectly shows Your example of who You are and points people to You, Lord. This is our desire. We want to be the blessing You've created us to be. And we determine we're going to do that because we love You more than any other thing. And we bless You, Lord. Let's just say that together. Father, I submit to You. you. And I I love You. And I commit myself to be a lover of truth. Your truth. Reveal to me truth from your word. Where I believed a lie, show that to me, Father, so that I can align with you in the truth. Amen. Woo-hoo. Let's go ahead and you can begin filing through and and, uh, let's start in the back, come up the center aisle and go up both sides. And while you're going through and and picking that up, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit about what the Lord's table means to us. You know, the Lord's table is a fulfillment. It reminds us of the fulfillment that Christ fulfilled the law. He fulfilled everything and all the purposes that were in the law, and He made a way for you and I to put every failure, every sin, everything behind us into a place that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and in, in its place, He gave us the very righteousness of God, His own rightness, and the, the uh, well, let me just read here. In, 1 Corinthians 11, what Paul said. It says, When you come together in one place, it is not... Re- I'm sorry, I started a little early. Let's jump down here a little bit later. It says, For I received from the Lord, so by divine revelation, Paul got this. He says, What I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took the bread... And get a, get, get a grip of this. He took it knowing what it meant and he broke it and he thanked God for it. He thanked God knowing that he is bringing you into the family of God if you will say yes. He said, he gave thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you need healing in your body tonight, I know many of you here have already experienced this. I know my wife and I have. She, she had a healing in her body that was a medical impossibility that we received when we took the bread. And she said, I take this for my healing. You know, the word says, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. So take it in faith for that. And then he went on and he says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said this cup is the new covenant the new covenant the new covenant in my blood this cup means that there's a covenant with you that his blood redeems you has bought you you now belong fully completely 100% to the Father the law and the prophets were all fulfilled in Jesus Then he made this statement, he said, do this, which we're doing tonight, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when you eat the bread, what you're proclaiming is, I believe Jesus' body was crucified for me, that he took stripes and those wounds for me. When you drink the cup, you're saying, I believe his blood was shed to wash me clean, To cleanse me from all iniquity. To make me part of the family of God. But if you do this just because it's a formality. Just because this is what we do. But there's no faith to it. It doesn't mean much, does it? So you have to put your faith to it and say this is something that is real. There's a real living Jesus right now that is seated. Seating. Seated. sitting at the right hand of God the Father, who established this covenant for you and I. I like to take the bread and I like to just break it. It reminds me of Jesus' body he was broken, and he was broken for me. Let's just do that. Let's just say, I recognize, Lord, you were broken for me, and I receive it. promises to us. Thank you that by your wounds we are healed. And just call everybody here healed in Jesus' name. If there be any sickness in you, I command this sickness to go, and Lord, I, I give your healing life to them in Jesus' name. What you provided, we receive gratefully and gladly in the, co- the covenant that cleanses us from all sin, that gives us the new DNA, His DNA. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for that blood. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus, for sending what was most valuable to you. Thank you, Lord, for making us your own, for paying the price, for fulfilling the law. Thank you for, Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for laying down your life because you love the Father so much. Father, we bless you. We exalt you. And we just present ourselves to you as your saints, as your church, to do your will, to walk out your kingdom as you see fit. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And amen. Father, we desire all that you have for us. We desire your desires. Lord, cause your desires to become ours. Cause your thoughts to become ours. Put your desires into our heart. We're asking you, Lord. That we might accurately walk and that we might accurately be your representative here in this earth. I thank you, Father, for bringing us truth tonight. I thank you, Lord, that as we go from this place that by your Spirit you overshadow every person. Father, that The angels you've assigned to each one would completely fulfill Psalms 91 and all the other promises that you've already established and put in place. Lord, thank you that you've given to us the name that's above every name. Thank you that you've given to us Jesus. And that you call us son and daughter. And we bless you for it. Father, we know that you hear us. You said where two or three are gathered, that you'd be there in the midst of them. So, Father, we we reverence your presence. We honor you. We bless you. Before, Before you go, I want to pray something in particular over the Layman family. Um, so, Jonathan's mom moved to go be with Jesus here some days ago now. And um, during this temporary time of, of being apart, um, let's pray that the Lord give the whole layman family, extended family, in them as well. Give them um, a greater understanding of, of the reality of heaven that the Lord comfort them with these things because the word says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord which just must be the most amazing thing that any of us can't even imagine and so while the, the parting is temporary we know that during this temporary time there's challenges that come with that And so let's pray over them that the God of all comfort would just inspire them and their entire family with His comfort. Is that all right? All right. Stretch out your hands to them, to the Lord. Father, I just thank you that you are the God of all comfort and we lift the layman family up to you Lord And I ask you Lord by your spirit to overshadow them to come upon and within them in a mighty way father that your spirit of comfort would just envelop them and their whole family Lord all the siblings and in each person Lord that you would by your spirit comfort them in ways that are unique to them father bring bring to their remembrance, bring to their understanding the reality of heaven. Lord, awake within them even a a greater awareness of your presence and what it must mean to be with you face to face. And I just thank you for this, Lord. I thank you that you would, um, during the days to come, that in the moments when, when grief tries to come upon them, that you would gently remind them, Lord, of how great it is to be in your presence. I thank you for this. Father, we just speak blessing over them, comfort over them. In Jesus' name, and amen. Well, one way that we love God is we love each other. And there's many, many ways to do that, right? So check on each other. That's one of the ways we do it. Say, how are you doing? And then answer honestly. And uh, it gives prayer opportunities so often, all right? We have a time of fellowship downstairs. Everybody is invited. Oh, there is a meeting for the VBS people. Where? Right Right here. of days. Why is it the best of days? Because He is here. I'm going to read to you out of Psalm 63. It says, God, You are my God. That's really important that we establish that in our hearts daily. I like to wake up in the morning, and that's my first thing, is I just say to the Lord, Be my Lord. I submit myself to you today, Lord. Fill me full of your spirit. and Just make that my first confession of every morning. So God, acknowledge him. You are my God. Then he says, I eagerly seek you. Do you eagerly seek him? He says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will praise you. That word praise, or or some translations say glorify. That word means to address in a loud tone. My lips will address him in a loud tone, all right? So if you're new here with us tonight, you're going to hear some loudness going on. He goes on and says. Because your faithful love is better than life, I will bless you as long as I live. And this word bless means to kneel in worship. Bless him as you kneel in worship. So it's totally acceptable for you to be on your knees or for you to be standing up dancing or on your face in the floor or stand on your chair. I don't care. Just don't injure anybody else, all right? It goes on. It says, that's your name. I will lift up my hand. You see people in here lifting up their hands. The Psalms are full. The Word is full. Even in the New Testament, there's many instructions to lift up holy hands unto the Lord. So why do we lift our hands up? Well, because one, is a sign of surrender. Two, is it's also a sign of worship. Worshiping the Lord. He says in verse 5, he says, You satisfy my soul as with rich food. My mouth... Now my thoughts, my mouth, will praise you with joyful lips. Joyful lips. This word, joyful lips, this is how they translated it. The literal meaning of it is shouts of joy. Again, there's all that noise. So if you need earplugs, bring them. Alright? Because we shout, we dance, we get on our knees. You know, worship isn't always in the loud. Sometimes it's in the quiet stillness. So let's not put God in a box that worship has to look a particular way. Let's put our hearts and set our hearts in alignment to focus on Him and only Him. Set all your cares, all your troubles, all the things that would like to distract you aside and say, Father, I'm here to focus on you and to worship you and to bless you. Can we do that tonight? All right, stand with me and let's do that. Lord, for your amazing faithfulness, your love is forever. His mercy endures forever. If you were with us last week and you heard the sermon, that song just fits right in with it. So now you have to go back and listen to it if you weren't here. All right. We are going to call up the team that is going to Ghana. So if you would, if you would come up here to the front, we're going to pray over you and. like to do that before we separate, to go to children, all the children to their places so that we can all be involved. Troy, give us, um, in a paragraph or three, <laughs> what are you guys going to do, and um, when do you leave, when do you come home? Sure. Well, we, we will be leaving this Wednesday on the 28th. We'll arrive over there on the 29th. We'll be gone for a little over a week and a half. And while we're in Ghana, we're going over for, for the greatest part to spread the word of God, to, to spread the gospel to the unsaved. Uh, we're, we're going over to uh, form discipleship situations so that we can see more people coming to the Lord, not just through us, but through others who have come to him. Uh, We'll be going over there for a medical mission as well. So we'll have a clinic that travels from town to town, village to village, and providing any free medical care that people might need. And we'll have a, a prayer tent and a Bible school and oh so many other things. So we're going over there to spread the love of Jesus wherever we go. Amen. Awesome. Well, we are going to believe God for not only provision, but safety. You know, those are things we just expect from Him, because He promised that if, if I'm your God, I'll do these things for you. And so, we're going to put our faith to that. But even more than that, we're going to put our faith to them speaking, their words finding absolutely the right target in the people they're going to talk to. Ask, we're going to ask the Lord for, for signs and wonders and miracles and for Him to stretch out His hand and confirm His word as they preach it and as they demonstrate it. And so that when they come back, they'll be able to tell us about the glory of God in Ghana. Can we agree to that? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that your great faithfulness is from eternity to eternity, and Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it. And so I just lift up this team as they go to Ghana, and I lift, we lift the nation of Ghana up to you, Lord. I ask you, Father, to prepare the hearts of the men, women, and children that are going to be ministered to. Father, by your spirit, begin to instill and prepare them to hear the words of truth, the good news of the gospel. Father, I ask you to stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders, to confirm your word as they preach it. I ask you to do special things with healing and special miracles, Lord, that people would see Jesus that they would see you for who you are, the good father, the father of of amazing, faithful character that you are. Lord, I ask too that you provide the safety that you've promised over this team as they go. on their, on their journey there, on their journey back. And while they're there, Lord, that your angels would be with them and accompany them and that you would give them favor as they travel and, and give them everything that they need to be able to accomplish your purposes at this time in Ghana. And Lord, thank you, too, for the finances. Thank you, Lord, that you meet every need. Lord, they're taking off of work, Father. They're investing into your will, to your purposes, to your plans. So, Father, bring this back to them in a mighty way. Bless them abundantly. Cause them to be able to see a direct connection between your blessing and their obedience. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and amen. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you. Also, that was so much fun. Let's do it again. Except this time... Um, let's bring up our VBS teachers, those that are going to be teaching or helping, or maybe there's so many of you, maybe we just need you to stand up where you're at. Kelly, you come stand in proxy for the, in, in front of everyone, but if you're going to be involved in the VBS in teaching or as a helper, um, just stand up, and we're going to pray over this coming week. We have all kinds of kids coming in here, um, and, and we're going to ask the Lord to Do amazing things in our kids did you have anything you wanted to say or add or
0: um, I think this will be announced, but we 're going to have a quick VBS meeting after um, this service immediately following in the cafe just so we can go over some things and also, I just encourage you um, whether you 're here serving or whether you're um, Not that you would be in prayer this week, that um, the Lord would have his way in the hearts of all the children coming, and that those that are supposed to be here would be here. So.
1: Yes, that's great. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that your eye is open to see all, and that nothing is hidden from your sight. And so, Father, every child, that is in this place, that's coming to this place this coming week, wherever they may be right now, Father, I just ask You to prepare these children's hearts to see truth, to hear it, and to understand it. Father, I ask that You would give our teachers, our helpers, our instructors the words that they need, the ability to clearly articulate and explain the amazing good news of Jesus. And Father, I ask You too for for Your miracles, for You to confirm Your Word as it's preached to these little ones. And that even gifts and callings that you've already assigned to these little ones would be stirred and woken up in them in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. I thank you, Father, for safety over every child, safety over these grounds. Thank you, Lord, for your ministering spirits that already are with us and will remain with us in protection. In Jesus' name, and amen. All right, well, and on that note, we can release the children to Children's Church. Oh, but we are going to be holding the preschool preschoolers in service tonight because we are short on staff. So if uh, you see that as a problem, then uh, next week you know where to sign up to make so that the preschoolers can go to their class. And while the children are going... is. Uh, and the teachers are going. Let's just take a minute, turn to someone, say hello to someone, introduce yourself.
0: Well, good evening. Wow. <laughs> we got, my mic turned up really good there. Good evening everyone. How are y'all doing? Everyone's good? Well, we'd like to welcome anyone that's here for the very first time. If you're here for the first time, can you raise your hand so we can recognize you? Give you a hand clap. No one's here for the first time. All right. Well, does anyone need a cash envelope for your giving? We're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. If you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And I've asked Alan Erickson to come up and Share with us on tithe, their offering, whatever the Lord's put on His heart. Um, Alan has moved in recently. Many of you know him, but he moved recently from Illinois. So, um, Alan, don't you come and then pray over the offering? And
2: good evening, everyone. Wow, that is loud. And I have a voice that carries, so I probably don't even need this. I may hold it down here. Uh, it was really interesting. It's how many of you know God knows what He's doing. And every time it happens, it just makes me kind of chuckle, because there are a lot of weeks where I go, well, there's something in there I'd love to share with somebody. And yesterday, Jen shoots me a text, and she goes, is there anything on your heart that you'd like to share about the tithes and offerings? And it just so happened that there was. And there wouldn't have been other weeks if she'd asked, like the first few weeks I was here, but just so you know, I'm going to share something so that you can see that pastor does know what he's doing following God. Okay. (laughs) He's not, he's not asking you to do something that's not biblical. Okay. Next week he announced, I think last week or the week before that he's going to ask everyone to write down on a piece of paper and turn in what God would put on your hearts to sow into missions during the next year. And you know, we have a scripture that talks about doing something like that. It's actually one we were forced to learn in LTS. When I was going through it, it felt like forced. That's all I can know. Now I'm grateful, and I love all the verses that are in there, but it just felt like work. Okay? But when he shared last week, he was sharing some things. He says, does anyone else have something to share about, you know, giving and offerings? And I shared a verse, the next verse after the two that I'm going to share here, and It really wasn't the part where we're doing the giving. It's God's response, and I so like that. So we're going to share the whole thing. It's 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. And so many of you, if you've gone through LTS, you know the first two verses for sure. You should go back and look at the third because that's the fun part. Now, the first two are good too, but the third is really fun because that's what God does. When you do what he asks you to do in the first part. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-8 through 8 says this. But he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he what? Purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to pause there and then go on to verse 8. And that's the point that I wanted to make. He's asked us, to write down this number. So I'm encouraging each of you, because this is what God has had me do throughout the week, and will be through the next week, is to have something settled in my heart. And in other words, spend time with God. Just don't show up here next week and say, oh, we've got to write down a number. See, part of this being able to be cheerful, a cheerful giver, do you notice where that comes? It comes after it being settled in your heart. See, once it's settled in your heart, you'll have no problem giving it. It'll be just like, yeah, this is what God and I, this is what we're committed to. Just a second part. Once it's settled in your heart, you can then watch God do it. It's just fun to sit back and watch God enable you to be able to do it. So what I'm encouraging you to do is in your time with God, as you get this number to settle in your heart, don't do it based on what you make. Don't try to figure out what you've been able to give before. In other words, don't look at your earthly situation. Look at God's abundance, because that's the next verse. This is where you get the number from God, because it goes on to say, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. See, what we're sowing into in these missions are people, other people, outside this nation, that God has doing good works, okay? And I'll share what I've shared with the Burroughs family before because right after the most past Armada, God showed me something that I had never seen before. I tell people sometimes I'm slow. I've actually taught on this verse many times, okay? And yet God showed me something new just in this Armada. When I'd read that over and over again, verse 8, it says... And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Notice the you. And then it says that you may have an abundance. You. So when I got to the last part, I put in you. It's not there. It says for every good work. So I was reading it that I'll have an abundance for every good work that God has for me to do. It's not what it says. It says that you may have an abundance for every good work. That means the good work of the Marabellas, the good work of Pastor Perdi Pereira, the good work of whoever's out there that we're sowing into. They're all good works. And he's saying that he has an abundance that he's going to give to you so that you can sow into all those good works. So you don't have to rely on yourself. It's his abundance. So I'm encouraging you to spend time putting this, these verses into action. Spend time with God. Settle it in your heart based on his abundance, what you should sow. So that when it comes time next week, you'll just know. You'll already be ready. Just give me the piece of paper. I've got it. I don't have to think about this. But this applies at all times. This is giving any time. It literally says that, that you purpose in your heart what you're going to give, because then it won't feel like someone's pulling it out of you. That, that way, you'll be able to do it cheerfully, because it's already settled. So do this every time. I tell people that the tithe is a given. It's simple obedience. We know what it is. It's the first tenth. So it's do the math. Turn it in. This isn't about doing the math. This is about going to God and relying on Him. What are you going to provide me with? So it takes some time spending some time with Him. Because if it's just you, you've got it wrong. Okay? So that's my exhortation to everyone here tonight and every time going forward, that spend some time with God and settle in your heart what you're to give. Okay? So let's pray for the tithes and offerings tonight. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity because it is an opportunity to give back to you just a portion of what You've blessed us with. And we do do it cheerfully. It is so good to see what you do with what we give back to you. And we take great joy in doing it. And we just thank you for who you are and what you set in motion here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you'd pass the baskets.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Alan. It really was a timely, a timely word because we have our missions Sunday, coming up next Sunday. Ushers, you can go ahead with the baskets. Aren't you glad he's able, more than able, to make all grace abound towards you? So good. Well, we're going to cover some announcements while they pass the baskets. So tonight, following the service, as Kelly mentioned, there's a a meeting for all those helping with VBS. And Kelly, do you want to clarify, is it in the cafe or here? Because it says in the front of the auditorium. Okay. Yeah, and just crossing paths, getting down. All right. So as it says in your bulletin, the front of the auditorium right after church here. So tomorrow is our church picnic, 1130 a.m. We're going to eat at noon. Please sign up. Please bring two dishes and any games and softball equipment, whatever you want to do. We have a big day tomorrow, actually. So the setup team for VBS is meeting at 3 Here at the church, and Youth and Young Adults Impact is going to be meeting at 6. So, busy day tomorrow, but it'll be good. It'll be fun. And then Monday starts VBS. So, we'll be looking forward to that. I know my kids are excited. All right. Also, in the very bottom of your bulletin, we have um, a local pregnancy center is in need of some supplies. So, we're going to have, is it a basket or a bin or... A box. We're going to put a box downstairs um, in the back. You'll see it somewhere. Go look for it. A box to collect donations. And they're asking specifically for baby formula and baby food, like baby jars, food. So, and, Or money. If you want to donate money, um, that will work too. So we're going to just have this box available. It's going to be an ongoing project collecting for a local pregnancy center.
1: Before I get into all, all the other things, I want to um, mention, give you a, a synopsis, if you will, of next week. Just mention it again. Next week is our annual Missions Sunday. And what that means is we're going to have a special service where we are looking to the future of the next, ca- uh, the next year. Starting, um, it, our, we always go the last weekend of July. That's our starting point So to the last weekend of next July is going to be our next calendar year. And we are going to look at what, Lord, would you want to do through us to the nations, both here and abroad, and in missions work and alms work. And we're asking the Lord to give me a number that you want me to believe you for, that I'll sow this as you enable me. And we're going to pass out papers. Everyone's going to have an opportunity to write a number down. You'll sign your name. Now, you can sign it as sloppy as you want. I don't care. No one's looking at whose name's on the paper. As soon as the papers are tallied up, we're going to throw the papers away, actually, unless you wanted it back. I guess we could do that as well. That might be difficult. No, we're just going to throw them away. Make your own notes on it or ask me for another one, and you can fill out a new one to take home. Um, But my point is, is that here's how that paper will read. It says, please pray about this decision before completing. And then this is, we call them faith promises. As God enables me, I make a faith promise for missions alms at CWI in the coming year of August, you know, 2021 to July 2022. In the total amount of, and then that's the amount that you'll put in. And then it has to be given, you can X, monthly, weekly, or as a one-time gift. And so it's totally whatever the Lord's doing in your heart, this is going to be only between you and the Lord. Nobody is going to come to you and say, hey, you know, where are you on your faith promise? No, this is what you're doing as the Lord enables you. And what the fun of it is, is that we're able to, um, we'll also give a missions report. Here's what we've done in the last year. And it's exciting to see where we are in the progression of this year against last year because every year we've just been going up, up, up. And I believe that's going to continue. And so let's, uh, let's be talking to the Lord about it and come ready to do whatever he says, not what someone else suggests for you to do. All right. All right. One more thing before we jump into the sermon. You know, the Word tells us to give honor where honor is due, right? And part of giving honor is um, recognizing those who have served faithfully or do serve faithfully. And I want to make Debbie uncomfortable. Okay, come up here and stand by me and be more uncomfortable. You know, Debbie has done, and, and next week is another example of it with the church picnic. She does so much. I mean, tomorrow. Sorry. Well, that is technically next week, right? But she does so much and she just so faithfully serves and gets things done and enrolls others. And and is just a very integral part of everything happening here. And if you've been paying any attention at all, you know that she her faithfulness is a great example to all of us. Right. And um, we have a small gift for you as appreciation that we want you to have and thank you for all that you do. <laughs> we love you. Thank you. you may be so well good <laughs>